Hi, I'm Jody Millman, and this is Backstage with the Bardavan. Our podcast will draw back the curtain and bring you backstage at the Bardavan 1869 Opera House that is located in Poughkeepsie, New York. For more than 150 years, notables such as Mark Twain, Frank Sinatra, James Earl Jones, Mary Tyler Moore, Santana, Aretha Franklin, and John Legend have graced its stage. Today, my very special guest is Damian Darlington, musical director, guitarist, and vocalist with the world's greatest Pink Floyd show, Brit Floyd. Currently on their post-pandemic tour, Brit Floyd is covering North America, including our own UPAC in Kingston, New York. While staying true to the source material, Brit Floyd stamps their own musical brand on their tribute to Pink Floyd. Their mesmerizing light and video show will amaze, and audiences will be enraptured by the greatest, and some obscure, Pink Floyd hits as only Brit Floyd can present. Damien, welcome to Backstage with the Bardavan. Good afternoon. Um, This is Jody Millman. I'm the host of Backstage with the Bardavan, and I'm here this afternoon with Damien Darlington, and he is the musical director of the one, the only, Brit Floyd. So, Damien, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. You know, you and I, were we had a date back in February <laughs> of 2020. And we were going to have this interview at that time. But you guys were in, uh, it was either Japan or China? We were in Japan. First time being, being there. And then the uh, pandemic broke out. Yes, yes. Well, obviously, we were aware of it whilst we were in Japan, but it was kind of all still happening in the Far East at that point, and then all of a sudden it hit Europe and it hit America, so it's all very quick. So did uh, did you get stuck there? Did you get home to the UK? What happened? No, no we... we um, hello, it seems to have frozen here. Yeah, the, the audio's not freezing, so there we go. We're back again. Uh, um, it's... We, we, we actually got to, over to the US. We went straight from Japan to, to, to here, to the US, uh, to start what would be, you know, uh, about four or five months of touring over here. Yeah. And we got just about 10 shows into it, is, and that's when everything stopped very suddenly and we had to go home to the UK at that point. It was literally one day we were doing a show the next day, and then suddenly we went. It was that quick. And where were you when you ended up uh, ending the tour? Uh, I, I forget the. It was somewhere in New York State. I forget the. <laughs> well, it was probably very close to us because I think we were like the next date up at uh, UPAC in Kingston, and then you weren't coming, and everything kind of froze in place. Yeah, yeah. it was all very, very uh, you know shocking, obviously, and very sudden. So let's go back to the beginning of Brit Floyd. Tell me about you. I know that you have been a a hardcore musician since the, since your teenage years, right? Yeah. And um, you started. How, what was you, how long has you, have you been fascinated with the Pink Floyd and their music? I first got to hear Pink Floyd when I was about fourteen years old. Um, I, it was the Wall album that was my introduction mm-hmm. to all things Pink Floyd. You know, it's just one of those things where one of my friends. Had this this uh, really cool looking album, you know, with the the, the the very sort of plain wall imagery on the front. But when you open the gatefold sleeve, there was all this Gerald Scarf animation. Uh, in, in, and then I got to hear it, and I was just hooked straight away. All the the fact that there was like a story running through it, mm. and all these really cool sound effects, and the way that the songs linked 
together was uh, you know was very sort of captivating for me uh, very very quickly and then I started to sort of uh, very quickly appreciate you know the musicianship that was going on you know David Gilmore's guitar work and how long was it after that that you actually got to see them perform live I got to see them in 1988. It was part of their Moment She Lapsed of Reason tour. I saw them in a football stadium in 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 Manchester in the UK. You know, so it was it was huge. You know, I hadn't seen anything on that scale uh, prior to that uh, that point. So it, you know, it was uh, it was it was pretty sort of a massive thing for me to experience <laughs> musically speaking, speaking at that point. And then I got to see them again. Uh, 94 when they toured the, the, uh, the Division Bell tour I got to see a couple of shows on that, that, that tour as well For you as a musician was it always Pink Floyd or were you ever were you ever into the Stones or, or, or Peter Gabriel or any of the other UK bands Yeah I, I think that one of the, the, the that sort of era of bands that, that grabbed me early on was actually The Who I was <laughs> you know, I, I got into The Who in, in quite a big way around about that same period of time uh, but I was also into lots of like you know prog prog rock groups like Yes mm-hmm. and Rush and uh, King Crimson things like that as well with the um, th- there came a time when you moved did you did you move to Australia is that where you formed the uh, Aussie band the Aussie Pink Floyd no, show no how that, how that came to how that came about was the Australian Pink Floyd show obviously originally from Australia had actually relocated to the UK in 1993 and one of their original guitar players decided he wanted to go home to Australia so they needed to find a replacement in the UK and that's when I got to hear about it, went for an audition and I was doing my first show with them a week later, it was all that but that quick. <clears throat> and then you were with them for 17 years? Yeah, 17 years, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, from 94 right through to 2000. Well, 2007, yeah, so you know, 16, 17 years. And what made you start your own your own version of the Brit Floyd band? Um, it, it was, I just sort of felt, it, I I had the confidence that, I, you know, a better job could be done of recreating this music. Uh, I wanted to work with some, some other musicians as well, uh, you know, uh, to expand the opportunities of what songs we could do uh, within the big catalogue so it just sort of felt the time was right to sort of strike out on my own and, and, uh, and uh, hopefully you know do a better job of it you know that was that was the, uh, the the aspiration and the ambition. Now your brother's involved with the band was he one of the ones that helped you start Brit Floyd or has he been with you that long or was he a new addition? No he um, my brother is, is my uh, my younger brother Gareth, he, he's the front of house sound engineer for Brit Floyd, and, and he was for for many years with the Australian Pink Floyd show as well. I mean, he goes right back to '98, I think, was the the year he started working with us. So you know, he's been of of all the people I've worked with doing Pink Floyd music, he's the one I've worked with for the longest. He's been your partner for all these years. And he's, he's not just the sound engineer, he's involved in, uh, you know, keyboard, programming keyboard sounds, for example, you know, uh, all our live recordings, you know, the DVDs and CDs we've produced, he's also mixed all of, all, all of those as well. Now, 
with Brit Floyd, and obviously you guys put your own stamp on the music. You're not just not standing there and, you know, you're just not robots. You put your own stamp on it. What are some of the, the ways that you have put your stamp on the music? Have you changed any of the interpretations? Do you play the live music as opposed to the studio albums? How do you, how do you make your choices and set lists? Well, you know, there's, when it comes to which versions, you know, version versus the studio version, I mean, to a certain extent, it's a subjective decision on my part, you know, which one I may prefer for whatever reason, or which one I may think we will uh, do a better job of recreating for, for, for a variety of reasons. Or, or it could just simply be that we've, we've done the studio version for quite a long time, let's change the not let now let's do a live version. You know, so all, all those factors can come into play. Um, you know, we, we norm, in normal circumstances, uh, we tour every year. Uh, so, you know, we, we have to try and change up the set list uh, every year. Uh, there are all, there are all obviously always going to be certain songs you're going to want to play, you know, the, if you want to call them the greatest hits, you know, the right. things like Brick in the Wall, you know, Shine On, Wish You Were Here, so Tracks from Dark Side of the Moon, obviously. Um, but outside of those confines, I do want to, I do try to change up the set list as much as possible every year and bring in tracks that we've never performed before or haven't performed in some years, although it's becoming more and more difficult to do songs we haven't performed before. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Now, certainly, you know, outside of the very early, early period of Pink Floyd, we've done pretty much everything. So you were on, in the middle of the tour when the pandemic hit and you went home. Now, yeah. is the show that you're going to be touring with, or that you're touring with now, is it the same set list or over that 18-month period, did you say, you know what, let's rethink, let's revise the show a little bit? What what have you done? Well, it, it, it may well, you know, it, it, ideally it might well have been good to have approached it in that, in that way, but unfortunately, you know, you you just couldn't get people together in any meaningful way to change things up. You know? and, and quite a lot of preparation, obviously, had gone into that, that set list. That, and we'd only played it for 10 shows. And so it, it, it would it would be probably quite silly to sort of throw it all you know out, out the window and come up with something new because there's all the lighting program, all the video preparation, that's that. It, it, it would have been very complicated to have um, changed things up that significantly. So yeah, to, 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 uh, to sort of um, give the short answer, it's the same set. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys get to practice at all during the pandemic? Did you do it over Zoom? I mean, what did you do to keep yourselves nimble? Uh, we, we, I've, I've never tried to sort of do a, a, a sort of real-time musical practice over Zoom or something like that, but... Uh, it, it's. I imagine it could be quite difficult, and there's like you know, there's lots of late. There's this thing called latency, you know, where where you know there's a discrepancy by a few by a second or fractions of a second. So it, it can be quite difficult for musicians to play together in that sense. I mean, certainly we've we've been practicing as individuals, mm-hmm. but as a band, it, it wasn't until we arrived here in the United States just over two weeks ago that we actually finally got together. As a, as a group of musicians and, and got to play again. And just for, for about three days in Denver, we, we had rehearsals before starting up again. And it was like falling off a bicycle, or like uh, getting back on a bicycle, right? Uh, well, there was a bit of falling off, but <laughs> mostly getting back on. <laughs> so, you know, it's it was interesting. What, what was... 
if if you think about the first show you ever did as Brit Floyd, can you remember mm. the first song you you guys ever performed? As Brit Floyd, yeah. Oh, uh, well, live. I know what it was live. The very first concert we, we did as Brit Floyd, it was Shine On in the set list. I can't remember what, we, what the first song we rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> Shine On was the, the the opening number of our very first concert concert. And when you perform now, what is the earliest you go back in the Pink Floyd catalog? Do you go back to like La Vallée, you know, back to the soundtrack of that movie back in the 70s? Or where do you pick up? I I mean, we've right right back to Pipers at the Gates of of Dawn, which was their first album, you know, Mm -hmm. in 67 when that came out. You know, it was the Sid Barrett, Mm -hmm. you know, era of Pink Floyd. You know, we played a number of tracks off that album. And we play tracks off every single Pink Floyd album now, you know, mm. to one extent or another. So tell me about some of the, some of your bandmates. Um, who are some of your key players and how long have they been with the band? Um, I see you have, in doing my research, you have uh, somebody who lives upstate New York in your band. But that, that would be that would be Ian Cattell. Um, he's the bass player and also uh, the the other lead vocalist in the band. He sort of does a lot of all of the Roger Waters vocals, for example, and some of the Gilmore vocals. Um, and I've been working with him since two thousand and five. So he actually sort of crosses over from the Australian Pink Floyd show days into into Brit Floyd. Um, alongside him, there's a, a one of the backing vocalists, Jackie Williams. Again, she started back in two thousand and five, so mm-hmm. she's been working with her for the same amount of time. Um, you know, to, to, to vary, you know, the, the, the musicians that are currently playing with Brit Floyd, they, you know, they sort of go back different per- mm. to different periods of time. Um, our most recent addition is uh, a, a new backing vocalist that's just started with us this tour, called Genevieve Little, who's also from the UK. So, and is Eva Avilia still with you? Uh, ever, 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 yeah, ever, ever. Yes, she is. Yeah. Um, and and she's she actually uh, during the, uh, the 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 lockdown period she actually got married to the guitarist oh. the guitarist Scordo. Because so. <laughs> I was I was looking at her bio and she opened for Beyonce in Canada, and her yeah. voice can be heard on My Canada, the My Canada yeah. song that gets played at Epcot. So I mean, yeah. she's got a voice that really resonates, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, she's a wonderful singer. I I think you know uh, she. Her big sort of break was in about 2008. She won Canadian Idol, you know. The, oh, really? The, so she, you know, so she, she uh, had a, a record deal with Sony Records off the back of that, you know. So that's kind of why she got to sort of uh, open for Beyonce and things like that in that period. And I also see that you've got somebody who performed. Uh, it's Aaron Aham. He performed. Aaron Aman. and he performed with Robbie Robertson and Jules Holland. Oh yeah, he's got an amazing uh, resume. Aaron has, you know, he he, uh, he played with bands like Clanad, uh, um, you know, as you mentioned, Robbie Robertson. Uh, if people are familiar with the Proclaimers song, um, if I it was it, I walked five hundred miles or whatever. It's oh called. right, yes. He's actually, he's actually drumming on that track. Isn't oh, it? Really? <laughs> That's like a march. If, yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you, other than. Other than playing a Pink Floyd, you have another band, don't you? I, well, one, yeah, a family one, uh, band. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the brother I've mentioned already, Gareth. Uh, he, I, I get to do some playing with him. He's a he's a very very fine fiddle player, sort of Irish Celtic music. 
that kind of thing, but also plays guitar and, and, and some keyboards as well. And I'll, I come from a bit of a musical family. I have, uh, there, there are six children and five of us are musicians. You know, it's a wonderful <laughs> So my uh, sister also, I do some uh, playing with her. So, that, you know, there's three three members of the family in this acoustic ensemble that we, uh, that I have, that's called Acoustic Unlimited. That I, you know, it, 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 it's, we do some sort of shows back in the UK, you know, pubs, clubs, that kind of thing. <laughs> but you didn't get to do any of that during the pandemic, right? I, I did, because there were certain periods uh, in the UK where, you know, the, the, la- the pubs were open and live entertainment was allowed, not all the way through, you know, yeah. we went back down into lockdown. But, um, you know, I was I was doing some, from, from about my, um, April through to uh, July, I was able to do a few those sort of gigs most recently and some some last autumn as well well what you know one of the things that i was fascinated with i went on your website britfloyd.com and one of the areas you have it's um, a video of the setup of your stage and i don't think people understand what how complicated it is for you guys to actually put your whole show together and there's a 12-minute video that's on there. And it was just amazing. Maybe you could talk a little bit about who designed the stage and, and all of the video and lasers that go into it, because it's fantastic. I mean, when people come to see you, just not you guys standing on the stage. It's like a, you know, it's a full-blown show. Well, of course, yeah. There's a there's a team of people behind behind the scenes, you know, uh, programming uh, lights and lasers and com- um, creating the video content that we project on the circular screen during the show. But, and then obviously there's also all the people who are actually out there on tour with us setting all that, that equipment up on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, when we're on tour, there's about 30 people, including the musicians on in total on tour. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it, it's, Quite a major undertaking, certainly by a tribute band standard. Right. Terms, um, and a lot of work goes into it. I mean, I, I, I have had some involvement in the lighting programming side of things, and I've even had, turned my hand to pro- doing some laser programming <laughs> as well, as well as uh, you know playing guitar and singing as well. But you know, there's a, a whole group of people over the years who've contributed to what people see now, and they could see it. Well, behind the band, there's a huge, it's a round screen, and that's surrounded by lights and lasers, and then there's video projections on that screen behind you. Um, who who does the actual video design? You, do you have a dis, a, an on-staff designer? There's, there's a, a friend of mine called Brian Kolopsky, who's based, at, based in California. Um, he, he, I first met him 20 years ago now, and when I just sort of discovered some of his animation work on by accident on a website, and I sort of got in touch with him, I said, "This is really cool. Could we use it in in the show?" And you know, one thing led to another, and all these years later, he he produces all the video content that we use uh, in a Brit Floyd show. And also, when we've produced DVDs, he's the one who edits, mm-hmm. does all the editing of the DVDs as well. So, when you do the shows, I mean, how long are the shows? The shows are two two and a half hours. About two and a half hours of music. You know, we have an interval. And two and a half hours of video. That's a lot of video production it, that it, goes it, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not video constantly every moment of the song, but like most of it, there certainly is. So, yeah, it's a lot of video. And it's not just the set you see. There's all the other songs that have been, the content has been created for that, but that's not in this particular set list. You know, 
Now, this isn't your first uh, U.S. tour, a North American tour. When when was your previous tour? That, uh, well, with Brit Floyd, I've, I've toured with in the U.S. every year since uh, 2012. You know, yeah, we started in 2011. We did our first U.S. dates the following year in 2012. But prior to that, I'd been coming uh, since to the U.S. since 2003 with the Australian Pinball Show as well. So, you know, almost 20 years of touring. Now, this may be a loaded question, but what's what's been your favorite uh, theater or your favorite venue to play? Um, usually, the you know the answer to that is is Red Rocks. I was going to say it had to be Red Rocks, right? And we we played that was the first show we played uh, when we we arrived back here a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it's an amazing setting. You know, yeah. it's a beautiful outdoor amphitheatre in the sort of uh, foothills of the Rocky Mountains, not far from Denver, you know, they, we, it's our biggest show, we get it like, you know, nine and a half thousand people coming coming to that show every time we play it, so it's, it's always a special, special thing to play. This year, did they have that many people? Were they, did they allow that attendance? It was, it was fully attended. It wow. Was, yeah, they, they could open it to full capacity. I mean, it is an outdoor right. gig, you know, so I'm sure that plays its part in allowing that to happen. Did they, did you know whether they had any COVID precautions or I'm assuming that they did? I mean, we certainly had COVID precautions backstage, you right. know, was that the case everywhere we've been, you know, there are, you know, uh, there are signs, you know, telling you to wear masks. There are some places they check your temperature before you come in the building, things like this, you know, so um, I'm, I'm not sure. I imagine that there would have been some sort of COVID protection uh, mm-hmm rules and regulations to do with the, the people attending the concerts, but I'm not absolutely certain what they would be. You, the yeah. reason why I bring that up is because I see you're going to be playing the Beacon Theatre in New York, and yeah. they, they just enacted, um, I would say, executive orders indicating that everybody who goes to the theatre in New York has got to be vaccinated or present yeah. a you know proof of, uh, of a negative test. So I'm yeah, sure you're yeah. going to see that all over the country. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I know it varies from state to state, or but um, yeah. I mean, even we actually have a day off in New York, and we have to sort of show evidence of our vaccination <laughs> status to, to, to stay in the hotel and then go in the venue. So where are you hitting um, other than UPAC in Kingston? Where else are you going to be on this uh, current tour? Um. Well, we're in Pittsburgh. We're in Chicago tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, uh, Hershey. Um, you know, the place Bethlehem. We've got two two dates in a place called Bethlehem in Pennsylvania. We're uh, Hampton Beach, <laughs> places <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, I, I forget. You know, I haven't got the the whole list of dates yeah. in front. Yeah. But we're going right through till September 11th. I think it's the final date. And you know, there's at least five shows a week every week so yeah. you know there's plenty more shows to go between now and what are some of the challenges you face in playing the same catalog of music over and over and over again i you know there is a challenge with i suppose you know keeping your 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 performance as a musician sort of uh, fresh on stage i'm trying mm-hmm. to think of the right way to describe it um you know, we don't want to become complacent because we're playing the same things over and over again. We have to sort of 
keep ourselves infused, and, and which is not difficult to do because it's such wonderful music, even yeah. after all the. And it's and quite, what what keeps it exciting is just simply there being an audience in front of you, uh, you know, appreciating it uh, and the energy that they're giving back to you because of that. You know, that that's that's what keeps it interesting and, and inspires us as musicians to perform these songs to the best of our abilities night after night. Do you find that you have uh, groupies that follow you from from place to place? Group, uh, no, not not, not mean, that many groupies. <laughs> you know, not I mean groupie groupies. I'm talking about uh, fanatics. Fans. Yeah, fans. No, we, we certainly get. I mean, um, you know, there's we do meet and greets, for example. Although obviously in the context of COVID, they're in a different format. You know, and there are, but there are certainly familiar faces you will see coming back back again and again into these these uh, meet and greets that we soundcheck meet and greets that we do. Uh, you know, some people will come to like five in one tour. Mm. You know, so certainly sort of fans who will follow us, follow us about during the course of a tour and even will travel across the Atlantic to see us in Europe, in Europe occasionally. That's incredible. That's, uh, that's dedication. <laughs> so when, if people come to see your show at UPAC, what can they expect? What, do you, what, do you, what, are, you gonna, what are we going to have going on here? I, well, as has already already been mentioned, they'll, they will get over two and a half hours of, of of a wide variety of Pink Floyd music covering uh, most of the catalogue. Um, a spectacular light show, all, all the video content we've already touched on, lasers, inflatables if they can fit in. You know, it depends on the <laughs> large to be accommodated. Flying pigs. <laughs> well, well it, it, it certainly, oh, yeah, up in, it's a pig that's up in the air. It, okay. It free, free reign to sort of roam around the venue. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everything, you know, all the ingredients that people would have expected to see back in the day at a, at a, at a Pink Floyd concert. Well, I'm sure that uh, the audiences will be thrilled and they're looking forward to it because you're one of the first shows that's going to be, you know, coming back to UPAC and to Kingston. So I'm sure that everybody is just all excited about you guys arriving here in the Hudson Valley. That's, that's wonderful to know. We're, we're, we're equally excited to be coming there. You know, it's all, it, we're, we're just sort of happy and grateful to be back on, on a stage in front of an audience in general. So. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So um, I want to thank you, Damien, for joining me today at Backstage with the Bardavon. And I, I hope that... Uh, your show and your tour is successful. I'm sure it will be. You're going to be bringing a lot of sunshine and music into the lives of people that are dying to get out and are dying to rock and roll. And um, we hope to see you again in our show. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, well, I'm happy to do it again in the future. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks again to Damien Darlington of Brit Floyd and the Bardavon 1869 Opera House for supporting our Backstage with the Bardavon podcast. Backstage with the Bardavon is produced by Patrick Watson and Jody Melman. Sound engineering and editing is by Ben Harris. If you're enjoying this podcast, please review it on iTunes. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Backstage with the Bardavon. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time Backstage with the Bardavon. <laughs>